Welcome to African Insight, a weekly program that focuses on infrastructure projects across the African continent. Have they lived up to their promises? Who will benefit? How and more? All here on African Insight. Welcome to African Insight, a weekly tour of the infrastructure spectrum across the African continent. Issues concerning African development on small and large scale. My name is Derek Mazarura. Last week, the honors on us was to measure the dynamics of Nigeria's power and energy sector. And this week, we delve deeper to unravel the internal and external financial structures making up Nigeria's power and energy sector. Where does money come from in Nigeria for the purpose of serving gargantuan projects in the field of infrastructure? What are the challenges? Who is getting it all wrong and who is doing it all right? All here on African Insights. Joining us on the show are David Hundein and Amuda Mosbodi. David is a Nigerian writer and journalist who also does work for CNN and Business Day Nigeria. And Amuda is a political analyst. David and Amuda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Derek. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Derek, for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. David, get us started. What is the state of financing of infrastructure projects in Nigeria? How often and how effective is the financing of power and energy systems prioritized? Uh, Nigeria's government specifically is very broke. Nigeria Mm -hmm. is going through an economic recession. Nigeria's government has always found it difficult to raise uh, re- uh, revenue from from taxation from non-oil sources and as you well know the uh, global oil price is taking a bit of a beating recently currently according to some estimates nigeria's debt servicing to income ratio is something like 124 percent according to some estimates so the estimates vary from 97 to 124 percent so currently basically nigeria is spending all the money that the, well nigeria's government is spending all the money that it makes on servicing debt, basically. Uh, it's running very hard to stand still in one spot, right? So essentially, Nigeria's government is trying to figure out how to meet its recurrent uh, expenditure. So uh, capital expenditure, which is where infrastructure financing, fall, uh, financing falls under, isn't really a thing right now. It isn't really in consideration right now because there is simply mm-hmm. no money. So. Uh, if you look at some of Nigeria's big mega projects that are supposed that are either in progress or supposed uh, to have been started by now, the several rail lines across the country, the road projects, a uh, couple of airports here and there, you'll find out that the major thing holding up these things right now is financing. One of the issues that affects uh, financing of power projects in Nigeria is that the uh, politics behind financing projects in Nigeria is very much um, partial towards stuff that people can see. 
so it's uh, the large shiny buildings and bridges and you know rail lines that sort of thing that you know people can feed their eyes on right but if you want to spend half a billion dollars on a power plant somewhere you know and this you know may probably will not significantly change you know the the power situation in nigeria because it's, it's a lot more complex than just building power stations and increasing the supply then obviously that's not going to be very that's not going to fly politically so because of that as a direct result of that financing of power projects is right at the back burner now the other half of this which i'm also going to expand on later on mm -hmm. is that the uh supposedly a part of the nigerian power sector has been privatized but realistically the entire power sector in nigeria is still pretty much in government hands it's still government controlled so the distribution segment has been unbundled well has been largely unbundled even though the government still controls at least 40 percent of of the successor companies but the rest of the power supply chain in nigeria still very much uh remains in government hands so which means that everything from financing of power projects to running power infrastructure to you know setting prices and all of that the nigerian government still has all those things under its purview which obviously it doesn't have the capacity to run so we are in a situation now where we we don't have the money to get new projects done thank you for that amoda now the state of financing of infrastructure projects in nigeria has always oftentimes uh been government driven so mm -hmm. it has been government that does the roads uh build the hospitals uh, you know construct the roads um see the power is generated and distributed to people and all of so it is essentially sourced from what we get from the national um the national first and of course whatever is um, given to the different state governments and the igrs is what helps so now the the state also is that there is actually little financing um given to uh, critical infrastructure project. Um, this is a country that has about a trillion dollar infrastructure deficit. And the um, government, um, in fact, in the last 10 years, the budgetary allocation to capital projects has actually been less than 25% of the, uh, has been less than 30% of the budget. And in fact, um, in the last seven to 10 years, it's been lesser because of um, the crisis of insecurity, particularly in the North. And uh, with the Boko Haram insurgency, it has even deepened the, uh, you know, the infrastructure that, 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 of course, the country witnesses. So that's the current state of infrastructure project. Now, how often and how effective is the financing of power and energy? Well, government has been very consistent, although what government has also been given is not enough because resting on the uh, on the argument that well we are privatizing sector we should not be giving up but then even with the privatization government still acts as a regulator and then cannot also totally answer because we are still looking at we're still talking about you know um mm -hmm. the, the the total electrification of the whole country that's still about 44 uh, um i think from the last um, statistics i saw I think for the four local governments that are not that do not have any form of verification where there are villages without any form of verification and we're looking at about say 100 of such villages across the country thank you david where does most of nigeria's capital for power and energy systems come from what risk 
does the country face in having such financial sources? How can Nigeria domestically mobilize capital for power and energy infrastructure? So short answer to this question is government, government and more government. The government, as I mentioned earlier, is in charge of pretty much the entire power sector, with the exception of uh, the distribution segments, which has been unbundled to the tune of 60%. The rest of the entire supply power supply chain is still very much in government hands, So, which means that the financing responsibility lies squarely with the government. Right? Private capital is not allowed to play yet. The government still controls everything. So, and as, as I mentioned earlier, what that means with the, uh, the ongoing cash crunch in Nigeria is that uh-huh. these uh, projects which are supposed to be debt funded, right now Nigeria cannot even raise the debt. Nobody's going to lend anything, any significant amount of money to Nigeria right now. Nigeria's government is practically insolvent. You know, it's, I, I believe Nigeria's government is maximum a year or two away from, from having an, an actual debt default of the sort that we've seen in Zambia recently. So that's so that is the situation of Nigeria right now. So, the the government is supposed to have the responsibility of financing the the, uh, the uh, uh, construction of new power infrastructure. It obviously isn't able to meet that responsibility now. The Nigerian uh-huh. government is very deliberately preventing private capital from playing because the Nigerian government loves being in control, loves having authority without having responsibility, right? The, the Nigerian government does not like ceding control of sectors of the economy to the private sector, right? As recently as 2003, the idea of having private uh, telecoms, right? Private telecoms companies like, you know, MTN and whatnot was a huge political hot button here as recently as 2003. This was just 17 years ago. It's not that long ago. You know, probably, you know, the, where you come from in, in, in South Africa, you probably had mobile telecom services for 30 40 years mm-hmm. as recently as 2003 it was a real political hot button here should nigeria should the nigerian government allow private capital to play in a telecom space amuda well much of the capital from um for nigeria's um, energy industry comes from the private sector particularly with the deregulation of that particular sector under the Obasanjo administration uh, we've also had uh, a lot of other deregulations and efforts of privatization. So it comes largely from the private sector. Um, unfortunately, um, it, it may not be so easy to say that it comes from the private sector too, because uh, government still plays a, 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 the role of the big brother. Um, this sector um, is one mm-hmm. driven by the private sector, but then government still comes in to give subventions here and there. Power, for instance, uh, government still um, ensures a pays subsidy to the discos and even helps in generation of um, in, in paying for transmissions um, distribution rather um, of power. So that, that's a major thing. Well, the effect is that uh, for a country that has um, about hundred million or more poor people, mm-hmm. it means that those people would have to be left to the whims and caprices of um, the market forces, which is demand and supply. And the implication of that is that a lot of people would have to be paying through their noses um, for power that they are using. Now, one would 
may be quick to say that well that's how it is done in other climes but then you cannot compare the poverty level now in a country where people have not even had something to eat and then they have to pay um such a fortune to a fortune to you know use power which is a necessity anyways then that's going to be a big problem for them now what can we do i think what we can do is um open up that sector the more mm-hmm. let's have more persons uh, the whole idea of having to have just six discos um, may not be the appropriate thing what aspects of the power and energy industry justify that it needs 100 billion us dollars in the next 20 years for its projects looking at the work done in the past and currently is this amount reasonable david um, the Nigerian power sector has suffered from 40 or 50 years of chronic underinvestment. So currently, Nigeria generates a total of something like a peak of something like 7,000 megawatts. Uh, for for reference, Nigeria's population is just under 200 million people. South Africa's population is about 54 million, if I remember correctly, and South Africa generates about 46,000 megawatts. Right. And by the way, South Africa, you know, doesn't exactly think of itself as, you know, you know, and, you know, completely energy self-sufficient because, you know, people still complain about power cuts and blackouts, that sort of thing, South Africa. Mm-hmm. But by virtue of the fact that South Africa is so much more industrialized than Nigeria, there's a lot of industrial demand, right, that, that, that the South African power sector feeds. In Nigeria, however, we only generate about 7,000 megawatts at our peak. And actually, the, the 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 national power grid only has the capacity to wheel about five thousand megawatts of that at any time. So what the case is in Nigeria is that with something like thirty thousand megawatts of power in Nigeria is generated in private hands, basically through generators, diesel, gas, petrol generators. That's the reality, right? And even then, Nigeria is still woefully underserved in terms of uh, access to electricity. So. Something, something like, uh, I think the recommendation that I read from the World Bank was that Nigeria needs something like ninety thousand megawatts mm-hmm. to achieve some, you know, some measure of, uh, of uh, the measure of industrialization that that is required to, you know, to reach that escape velocity, to escape from poverty, basically. Amuda. While I do not have enough data to support, you know, the need for such amount of money. We know that a good number of communities, a good number of households, a good number of power consumers do not have meters. And with the current situation of things, well, the discourse have come out that they were they would not be able to give out mm-hmm. meters for free. So the place of metering is one of the critical projects in the energy sector that um, make up that money. Then we also begin to look at situations where Discos are not taken. Power is generated, you know, by TRCN, um, the, uh, of course, but then the generating company gives to discos and discos says, oh, they don't have enough money to, you know, um, obviously uh, buy power and then distribute to the final consumer. So mm-hmm. it's also a critical area, um, which government has been arguing. In fact, some other the under this dispensation in the first thing, you know, there was an argument by the Minister of Power, um, Mr. Babatunde Red Fashola, that this has been a major problem and that they are looking at uh, possibly disengaging the discourse. But then 
um, that money, because that has also been a very um, trending argument in government circles. Thank you. David, which industries directly benefit from the financing of power and energy infrastructure? In 2013, the state privatized 11 companies. Did this help in improving the financial situation in the power and energy sector? The financial industry, insurance companies, right? uh, Nigeria, by sub-Saharan African standards, has a fairly large and well-regulated financial sector. Um, I think the, the mechanism for, for such funding to an extent does exist. Um, the uh, finding a hundred billion dollars obviously you're not going to find that in nigeria nigeria doesn't have that kind of money lying around anywhere even within the private sector mm -hmm. but to an extent you know maybe if if, if you set your sights a bit lower maybe if you're looking for 15 to 20 billion dollars and there was the assurance that the government isn't going to step in and you know ruin it for everyone as it tends to do i think you would find that money as as was the case in 2002 2003 when uh, Econet Wireless, MTN, uh, Glow came into the telecoms markets. You know, the uh, money for the private finance showed up. It came from somewhere. It worked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it happened. You know, it was, it, it was quite a long shot, but it happened. Uh, in some of the more urban areas like in Lagos and Abuja and Port Harcourt and Benin and Enugu where sort of like the the more well-to-do or the more economically active segment of Nigeria's population lives, uh, power supply to an extent has actually seen some improvements since then. And the main reason for that is uh, it's not a supply issue, by the way. It's just it's just uh, uh, it's a simple issue of, of, of management which wasn't the case when uh, it was in government hands. So for example, people now have access to prepaid meters, mm -hmm. right? Previously, when the power sector was in government hands fully, when the distribution was in government hands, uh, it's it, the people responsible for like reading meters and whatnot were basically civil servants who weren't paid that well. So you could basically slip them a thousand naira to, to look the other way if you weren't paying your bills, right? And you know, there was a big, you know, federal government subvention to keep the whole charade moving. So, you know, nobody was keeping proper records or anything. But since 2013, when private capital came in, and private capital actually has to ensure that revenue is corrected properly, so as to service its debts and to remain profitable for shareholders, it has been the case that these things have had to see some improvements, right? The culture of, uh, of uh, paying for power in Nigeria has completely changed, at least in the urban parts of Nigeria since then. There's the there's no longer that specter of oh you know they've come to check my meter so I you know I'm gonna pay a bribe that mm -hmm. doesn't really exist anymore you have to pay up now because it's it's private business. Amuda. Well, aside the power sector, which is the direct beneficiary, then you also have the stock exchange. Um, you know the capital market um, obviously benefits. Uh, the banking industry is also a major beneficiary. You know funds of the bank of the discos are moved um, through the bank, so they are a major beneficiary. In fact. Um, Based on, um, I, I think, the recent data, uh, the uh, one of the major contributions to the banking industry um, comes from the power sector, and that's aside other 
other sources. So um, they are direct beneficiaries of um, the financial power and energy infrastructure. Then we also talk about uh, the service sector, which is growing. Um, you, you talk about e-commerce, which is a growing um, sector in Nigeria now. It, it will be is a direct benefit, uh, you know, direct beneficiary from the financing. Because when, uh, for instance, the ordinary artisan is able to do what they want to do, they someone who has a salon yes um, once the salon is not afraid of um, you know power outage um, the organizer is not afraid uh, you know the one who organizes is not afraid of uh, power outage um, the mechanic the roadside mechanic is not afraid of power outage and a whole lot more david as a leading economy in the western region what roles is nigeria anticipated to play in relation to economic community of West African states, ECOWAS and West African Power Pool, WAP. What roles do these entities have in mobilizing capital for infrastructure in the Western region? So on paper, ECOWAS and WAP, as you mentioned, are supposed to be actually leading the efforts. In practice, ECOWAS is, um, is an organization that I've forgotten who it was that, that made these comments, but the person said that it's an organization that exists on, on, on paper. It's uh, it's an isomorphic mimicry organization. Now, uh, isomorphic mimicry uh, basically refers to a phenomenon in governments where uh, the government of a less economically developed country or, the, or a group of governments of less economically developed countries creates uh, institutions that ape institutions that they've seen developed countries put together so in other words we've seen uh we've seen a nafta or we've seen uh an eu mm -hmm. we've seen uh the uh, the the asian group we've seen the south american group right so then we decided right we also need a west african group so we create something called ECOWAS, right and we have some, some nice looking passports we have a nice ECOWAS secretariat in abuja you know, some well-paid diplomats with colorful number plates and whatnot. But to be perfectly honest, that's where it ends. ECOWAS doesn't really wield any teeth whatsoever, right? There's an ECOWAS court in Abuja, which has which has made rulings, you know, against the Nigerian government on several issues, including trade. Mm -hmm. and the Nigerian government just completely ignores it. Right? Because the truth about ECOWAS is that if Nigeria, you know, <laughs> Nigeria is pretty much a bully. Because it's so the disparity between Nigeria and its neighbors is 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 so stark, it's so wide, right? Unlike say uh, a a like the East African community, where Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, you could say they are more or less. Even though Kenya would claim to be the hegemon, but three of them, you could say they they, they more or less compete with each other uh, in terms of uh, population size, in terms of economy, they kind of compete with each other, right? In West Africa, there's no similar uh, competition. Mm -hmm. It's Nigeria, then nobody, then nobody, then nobody, then nobody, then maybe Ivory Coast. Thank you. Amuda. Nigeria has a major role it plays. Um, Nigeria supplies power to Benin Republic, for instance, which is a neighboring country. Of course, too, we also, um, a part of Nigeria is also, um, you know, as a, takes power from Nigeria. So, Nigeria plays a major role. A very major role. Um, 
it's not even about anticipating the role the whole Nigeria will play now. It's about the role Nigeria is playing at the moment. Now, what roles will they, these entities, um, does um, WAP and um, ECOWAS play in mobilizing capital? I, I also know that the regional organizations, mm -hmm. some regional organizations are also trying to dedicate funds um, to that sector, knowing that it will go a long way. Now, the interesting part of it is that these countries that are being supplied power by Nigeria do not suffer um, issues of power because they are buying, although at a very higher price. And to an extent, it pays you as a disco also to supply power um, to um, other countries than mm -hmm. to supply to Nigerians because you collect, you're you paid more. And so it's a better business. David. Have investment in new forms of energy worked for investors? What is Nigeria's energy mix like? And where is it lacking in attracting capital and maintaining financial capacity? The problem with uh, funding alternative energy sources in Nigeria is that, as I mentioned earlier, the existing... Um, what's the word I'm looking for now? The gap between the uh, the demand for power and the and the existing uh, supply is so wide that realistically things like solar power you know those things are not they're they are not going to fill that gap right several of those experiments have been tried they're simply ineffective because the gap is just that wide right so you you have to accept that to an extent within the current tech, uh, technological technological constraints and also economic constraints that a country like Nigeria has, realistically, any sort of uh, large-scale uh, electrification drive is going to involve burning hydrocarbons. Mm -hmm. That is just a fact. Uh, yeah, there's there's supposed to be, you know, in the interest of protecting the environment, you're supposed to be having conversations about geothermal energy, conversations about solar energy, tidal power, that sort of thing. The reality on ground is that technologically, Nigeria is, you know, is a sub-Saharan African economy. That's just a fact. Uh, the expertise to run certain things doesn't exist here. The money to invest in those things doesn't see why it should invest, why it should make that investment in Nigeria. It doesn't see, it doesn't see where, where the returns are going to come from. And to an extent, I agree. Amuda. What kind of financial structures do you think are put in place to support the development of youth and women in power and energy systems? Are subsectors and lightweight industries benefiting? Well, at the moment, there are no financial structures um, specifically put in place to support the development of youth and women in power and energy systems. There is none at the moment. Yes, there are a lot of other um, interventions but it's actually general, it's not specifically tailored to the energy um, and of course, uh, power and energy systems. In fact, what we have had is that those specialized funds, we've not seen um, specific reference to power. In those ones are actually given to specific um, systems or specific sectors. So there is none that I know of um, for youth and women. Uh, Subsectors and lightweight industries benefiting Yes, they are benefiting, no doubt they are benefiting. The subsectors are benefiting hugely, hugely, hugely.
but then the benefits are getting because of the low power production that we're still experiencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the benefits are not really, really reaching down. They are not. They're not deep rooted, kind of. Um, if I may say that, um, the lightweight uh, industries are also really not benefiting. Still based on the level of power production that we have at the moment. David, well, I don't know about structures to to uh, to help your young people and women. Uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Disrupt the power sector or to carry out some sort of large-scale innovation. I'm not sure Nigeria is. Um, it. I'm not sure that's a that's a realistic conversation to have about Nigeria at this point in time, right? Nigeria is just a really poor country, unfortunately. Uh, however, I do also think that. Uh, going back to what I alluded to earlier, that if the government were to remove itself from the space and allow the private sector, the private sector, by the way, doesn't just uh, refer to huge companies with billions of dollars to invest. The private sector also means, you know, mom and pop outfits, right? Currently, uh, one of the things I neglected to mention, by the way, is that there is a single national grid in Mm -hmm. Nigeria, right? You are not allowed to build your own decentralized grid. So if, for example, uh, you have a huge, maybe a gas-fired generator that is capable of putting out maybe 10 megawatts, right, for your factory or whatever, you are not allowed, by law, by Nigerian law, the excess power that you have, you are not allowed to supply it to your neighbors, right, and like make that like a mini-grid that your, your, your neighbors pay you for. We are going to take a quick break, and after the break, we look at the nature of policies governing capital, procurement fraud, risk, and the insurance sector. Join us after the break. This is African Insight on Channel Africa DSTV 802. Join me, Derek Mazarura, as we journey through the structure beneath the structure, northeast, west, south, and central Africa to find the project, the meaning, with the people for the people every wednesday mornings at eight regional national sub-national from morocco's north africa power transmission corridor to the eco villages in togo among many all here on african insight channel africa bringing you the african perspective David and Amuda, welcome back to the show. You're welcome, Derek. Thank you, Derek, for having me back. And if you're just joining us, we are weighing the validity of power and energy infrastructure in Nigeria with respect to finance. David, what kind of policies govern the use of capital in the power and energy industry? Is this effective what are the key challenges and how can they be combated? The challenge, there really is only one challenge. It isn't really a series of challenges. It's only one major challenge. Because every other challenge stems from that one problem. And the problem for the umpteenth time is government's uh, involvement. Not, it's not even government interference. It's government involvement. Just the involvement of the government, of the Nigerian government, is the problem. Right? The Nigerian government should not be a player in this space. The Nigerian government doesn't have the capacity to supply a country of 200 million people with power. 
Right? To be honest, no government does. <laughs> Not even the U.S. government. Everyone else understands why their their power supply structure is private and decentralized. The Nigerian government is obsessed with running like you know trying to be North Korea without any of the organizational capacity of North Koreans. So fortunately, you end up with a country that you know, for lack of a better term, is Nigeria. That's kind of where we are. So the government needs to step, take a step back. Currently, there's something called the uh, legislative exclusive list in Nigeria. It's basically a list of uh, reserved activities that the government reserves uh, exclusive rights to. Uh, people, uh, private capital is is not allowed to play in, right? Mm-hmm. And currently, that includes things like interstate roads, construction and maintenance of interstate roads and railways. Uh, power generation, uh, the maintenance of, of airports, that sort of thing, right? So basically, key critical infrastructure, including power infrastructure, the Nigerian government is obsessed with keeping it under control. And the reason for this is simple. The people who wrote you know, these laws, the people who wrote that constitution were soldiers who only thought in terms of friendlies and hostiles. So in a soldier's mind, everything is a, is, is, is a potential theater of war. Right. So if your mind is conditioned in that way, mm-hmm. you're not going to be thinking of national infrastructure as something to accelerate the economy and to put money in people's pockets and make people's lives better. No. All you're thinking about it as is something that you could use to defeat an enemy or that an enemy, an enemy could potentially use to defeat you. Amuda, describe procurement fraud and corruption with regards to the power and energy sector. How can the intensification of such be clamped down upon? Well, I think procurement uh, fraud and corruption is a major, major thing. Like I said earlier, um, you know, there was massive corruption. A lot of fraud have been identified in how the discos um, were actually even foisted on Nigerians in the first place. <clears throat> Some have argued that well, there was no proper bidding and that uh, government officials sold to, their, to themselves and their cronies. Um, and friends, lackeys in government. So uh, how do we, that, that's just how it, it works. So you, you don't necessarily have to tender a bid. You just come having had someone in government, every other bid, your bid is not even tendered. Nobody, um, you, you don't make any bidding. In cases where you make biddings, you necessarily have to settle government officials, um, particularly the big wigs, um, particularly we talk of the ministers, mm-hmm. then assures you that you don't worry, you're going to get the job government gig, uh, gig and, and that's that's how it works. How do you calm down it? What we need is transparency. And a lot of um, open government agencies in Nigeria, and of course transparency agencies in Nigeria have been doing their bits to ensure that we have this. And when we have an open government, it becomes difficult for any government official to benefit of, you know, from, because essentially what they're doing is benefiting from the leakages in the system, when there is no transparency, you know that you can hide on there, but then you want to obviously call for, mm-hmm. call, make calls for bids, and then you make it open, and you ensure that the press is involved from the beginning of everything, the scrutiny of the bidders to every single detail. David, can PPPs and the insurance sector cover the risk involved in the power and energy business in order to attract investors and small businesses? When Nigerian governments create PPPs, they intentionally insert these problematic clauses 
right, which often are very vaguely worded or are unenforceable, right, just to create confusion at some point in the future, because what tends to happen is that it's a PPP, so obviously the private sector is running it, and it tends to do so quite uh, efficiently, which obviously makes it profitable, right? Which makes it attractive to the government because there's, there's money involved, right? So then, when there's a when it's it, the perception is that okay, these these boys are rolling in cash now, you know, they run it better than we have done, and now this thing is like it's a cash cow. So now we're gonna you know circle in for the kill so we can get our own share. And we're going to do that by invoking some arcane clause in the agreement somewhere. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying in a nutshell is that whoever is signing, whoever is getting into a PPP agreement with the Nigerian government should expect that it, that it is signing an agreement with a predatory institution. To what degree can Nigeria open its markets for foreign direct investment? Do Nigeria and Africa as a whole need foreign funding? Amuda. The large degree in Nigeria has to open up for foreign direction. In fact, it's not just about opening up. Nigeria is practically calling for FDI. Because when you have FDI, it affects a whole lot of things. Then you know the the current the current standing of the dollar against the currency is also improved. At the moment you have uh, at the parallel market uh, in Naira, uh, sorry, a dollar exchanges for over five hundred naira. It, it tells you about the continued drop in FDI. Um, does Nigeria and Africa need FDI? Of course, of course. It, we need to open up. We need that foreign direct investment to. It's going to aid employment and, mm-hmm. of course, um, not just aid employment. Development would also come fast because uh, with the private sector development, it, it moves alongside uh, with the economic development of the ordinary people on the street. David, how effective is meta deployment in bringing new money? into the market and curb collection related challenges it has actually been really effective um because as i mentioned earlier prior to the introduction of uh, prepaid meters by the new distribution privately owned distribution companies uh, revenue collection was 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 spotty at best was 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 very patchy right and there was all sorts of arbitrage involved you know individuals within the system could find ways you know, people became millionaires through inefficiencies in the system, right? But now that is no longer the case because everything is computerized, everything is on a central database. Uh, you know, the CEO in his office, sitting on his laptop, can see exactly how much money is coming in every day from every single meter. Everything is itemized, everything is is, is on a live network, every, all the information is available in real time. Mm-hmm. So from a, from a business point of view, it has definitely helped streamline the revenue collection process from a cultural point of view it has also modified the at least in urban nigeria has modified the attitude toward paying for power because previously paying for power was viewed as as a as an optional thing in fact some even viewed power as like uh something that should be free it's the entitlement you know i don't really get anything else from being a nigerian so you know you know after all nigeria has oil and you people are burning you know you have burning gas or whatever to you know, supply this power so you know it's my right Amuda. communities contribute money to buy transformers okay that would you know distribute power for them and then they are still told 
that is not the property. So he, he has created the needed problem. Uh, at the moment, what we should have is a situation where meters should be free. And when this is done, it, it helps a lot. Well, the lack of meter deployment has also made it difficult for them to do appropriate billing system. So what we have added, what a lot of people are on is post-speed you know, billing system, which has been quite ineffective. Now, those are also unprepared billing system there are also some irregularities around there that also need to you have cases of you know <clears throat> irregular charges um by irregular charges you you make a subscription and then for certain things that don't you know uh -huh. take up or that, that don't take up to certain units of power you see them taking up to that unit, and then you keep asking yourself how is it so so th th these are major problems now meter deployment definitely will bring in new money if we have every house metered, which is also an effort that the government is undertaking at the moment. Um, but then it has not been effective. Um, but then we know it will bring in more money into the market. David and Amuda, thank you for affording us your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Derek, for having me. It's been a wonderful discussion so far. That marks the end of our show and the beginning of a new Nigeria and Africa. The more we unlock the unsaid, the more progress is given a voice. Is the voice of money greater than the voice of reason? Our ideal world is a world where financial capacity is not abused and the marginalized sections of African societies are uplifted and elevated. Elevation is strength and equality is right. Doing it right is the African way. Join us again next week same time as we explore the structure beneath the structure right here on African Insight. My name is Derek Mazarura. It's bye for now.